What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Game Ball. As you can tell, we have a reoccurring guest, Nas Bohannon. Now he's on the Jags on the 90-man roster trying to get to a final roster spot. He finished his five-year college basketball career up, finishing up at Clemson. Nas, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. So, you know, people want to know about, obviously, the Jaguars and football and that whole situation. We spoke on the phone about it previously, but what, what, what led you to the decision to say, you know, basketball may not be where I have a future and as, as far as the NBA? Um, you know, like uh, I've told this story a bunch of times now, but kind of going into the season, well, to start it all in the beginning, I've always, I played football and basketball coming up. So I had a love for both. And then before college, I had to make a choice of whether I was going to play football or basketball in college, which was a decision that, you know, kind of weighed heavy on an 18-year-old, didn't know what to do. But throughout all my years of uh, college basketball, I always talked and joked around about, you know, I should be playing on Saturdays. Back out there again. Didn't really think that I could play on Sundays until um, coming into – before I actually came to Clemson, I had got reached out to by uh, a NFL team about potentially trying for a practice squad. So I weighed that decision out, you know, and then I eventually ended up going to Clemson. But it was about a month or so left in the season, and I was talking to an agent that I was real tight with, real close, probably was going to sign to him for basketball. And he approached me and was like, hey, if an NFL opportunity presented itself, would you be open to it? And I was like, hey, you know, just explain it to me and, and what would go on and what's the details about it. And after he explained to he explained it to me and just, you know, exactly how it would go down and possibly me getting the opportunity to go to a mini camp with the draft passing by, which is what took place. Um, and me knowing something as early as I would considering it being May, it never closed the door for me to have a deal to potentially go play overseas come August had it not worked. And when he presented it to me in that way, I talked to my dad on the phone. I was like, hey, this is a no-brainer. Like, the opportunity wouldn't keep presenting itself if it wasn't something near for it. So I just went and, you know, to go for it. Like, kind of through an audible, and I chased it. Definitely, definitely. And so, you know, you mentioned that you couldn't, you, you thought you might, you obviously had a chance maybe playing on Saturdays, playing football uh, and college football, but you could never imagine playing NFL because you just didn't think there would be an opportunity for it. But obviously now there is. And I guess my question is, did you ever think, especially now when that opportunity became, like, became a thing, did you ever think like, man, I wish I played college football? Maybe I could have had this path a little bit easier. Um, yes and no, if that makes sense. So the yes part of it is like now that I'm actually playing in, in the NFL, I get everybody from my past life that always says, I told you, if you would have played football in college, you know, you would have gotten drafted. You could have went in a higher round. Nobody knows what the story could have been. But the no part of me is like, I'm a person who kind of just like, you know, everybody has their own path in life and you make a decision and you run with it and you make the best out of what was due. At that time, I was wholeheartedly two feet in and playing basketball and loved everything about the game. And I wouldn't trade that for anything so there's the no side of it so you ended up choosing the jacks and going there for before i get into that was were there other teams that reached out to you or did you already have kind of a connection with jacksonville 
Um, there was a couple other teams that my agent talked to. Um, you know, um, the Browns was one of the teams. Jacksonville, obviously. Um, and he tried. He tried Carolina a little bit. Just a couple things because it was kind of late how my process went. You know, we got out the ACC tournament. Um, it'd be early March, and Clemson's pro day was a week or two after. Which, at one hand, we talked about maybe participating in it, but I hadn't done any training or anything at all. So it just kind of jump started and the draft was in 30 days. So, you know, but yeah, it was a couple other teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the Browns have been cool since obviously from Lorraine, Lorraine, Cleveland, uh-huh. Ohio. That would have been, <laughs> but Jacksonville is a choice and decided to go there. And I know that you mentioned previously that Marcus Pollard, he made the same switch. I think, I guess in a way he works out at Jacksonville. Uh-huh. He's on our player development staff. Okay. All right. That makes sense then. But was that like a, a big, was that like a part of the reason why you decided to go to Jacksonville, knowing that someone who kind of made the same, tr- same transition was going um, to help you? Yeah, definitely. So he definitely, he was, he played a big part in me making the decision to actually play football, got on the phone with him, felt comfortable in learning from him just because he's obviously done it before, but also to know that he'll be in the organization that, and I can go to him every day and say, hey, how, how did you go about this? Or how did you attack this? Can you help me with these type of things? We also have the same agent. And, you know, so that played a big role too. And not only him, but Chris Manhurts is a tight end on the Jags and he made the transition too. So it kind of couldn't have been a better situation for me to go into a team or organization with guys, not one, but two guys who've done the exact same thing that I'm attempting to do. Yeah, definitely. I was going to bring him up too, but you got there before I could. <laughs> um, but with that being said, is it, does it, I know we, again, we spoke about this previously entering, um, entering, you know, the decision of going to play, try and play football in the NFL, but to be able to see guys that have made the transition before go from basketball to football, does that, give you confidence knowing that like hey this isn't out of the ordinary like I can do this too yeah it definitely gives you confidence it gives me um sort of motivation too you know you see the route in front of you and obviously everybody knows of the greats you knows of the Antonio Gates the Tony Gonzalez's those type of guys Mo Ali Cox like we spoke about before so you see the end goal but then you also see hey there's a bunch of guys in between who they've had long careers and been successful they might not have got the spotlight, but they've done this and they've done it at a high level and they've been able to stick around. So I try to learn from, you know, watching the films of the people that are obviously the greats and learning from the guys that are right there in front of me just to figure out how to do it in my own way and striving to be the best at it for myself. So with football, a lot of hits, very physical. You have to, you know, be strong, but you were, have you been having to put on weight because I know when we spoke, you're 232. I don't know if you've increased or decreased bad muscle. So like, so yeah, I'm up to um, I'm up to 250 now. Dang! So, all right, okay, <laughs> 250. That's a that's yeah, a big yeah. jump. Yeah, I definitely had to put on weight, you know. So I kept uh gradually, like up until me even going to the mini camp, I had been I was on a weight meal plan uh, to gain, and I had been lifting and doing things of that sort, and then obviously being down here for five or six weeks kind of jump started that. But I'm finally at a weight that's, you know, comfortable mm-hmm. and I gotta still remain quick. So not to do too much, but obviously for me, 
attacking the weights heavy is a key point for my development mm -hmm. just so, because I need to get it stronger. Like the frame is fine and I was strong for one sport, but in this sport, there's going to be time I'm going to come off the end and I got to block a, a 300 pound lineman. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always something to look forward to every, every day you wake up. Uh, but yeah, 250, that's, that's a lot of weight that you've added since. So you, you kind of found a love for the weight room again. Yeah, 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 I did. You know, and the funny part is, like, when I played in high school, I actually was, like, the complete opposite. I was like, hey, coach, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to come to the weight room. Like, I didn't want to do it. Like, I knew when I had to, but then I kind of just, like, went out there and played, and it worked, mm -hmm. which was a blessing and a curse because I should have done it then, and it would have helped me more <laughs> now. Well, hey, now, now you found the way. So you got to be uh, – you're eating a bunch of food, I'm assuming, right? You just have to keep, keep downing it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the key part is um, eating the right types of food. So, like eating, eating clean, but still eating to be able to gain, and it's eating uh, more times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. You know, like so working on a schedule and staying disciplined of waking up at this time and making sure I get a meal before these hours. Because if I don't wake up at a certain time, I won't get all my meals in, mm -hmm. and I will hate to gorge myself at. <laughs> one or two of the meals to try to make up for it. Yeah, so one last thing about your weight. I know it's kind of a weird thing to bring up, but I know you said you were basketball strong and after you get football strong, but has it been different just feeling that you've had more weight added? Like that you're, because it's, you know, I know you're, you're able to and you're capable of having a bigger frame, mm -hmm. but you were in basketball shape for the past, you know, five years. You know, it's, it's definitely a difference. It's weird. It's, I don't want to say weird, but I spoke to my dad the other day about it. And I was just like, you know, this year at Clemson, I played the lightest I've played since probably my freshman year. I played at 225 this year at Clemson. When I was at Youngstown State, my last couple of years, I played at around 235, 232 to 235. But I usually walk around that, like when the season's over, I usually walk around around 240. And so it wasn't abnormal for me to get back to that weight. But 250 is obviously the heaviest I've been, but it doesn't feel any different. Like, it doesn't feel like it's weighing me down, which I guess is a good thing. That is good. That is good. So now looking to, to minicamp and then obviously OTAs, it was kind of, I guess, you know, like you mentioned, it was, it was, it was a spit up process because you got done with the basketball season. And then next thing you know, you're trying to, you're, you're getting, you know, the possibility of playing with the Jacks because the draft just concluded. It was just a really fast process. But being able to now having to go to minicamp, did you feel you're prepared for? Like, what was that whole entire situation like? Um, Yeah, you know, so when I got the call, they actually called me, um, like, right after the draft included that same night. So for me, it was kind of, you know, like, everybody anticipates their name being called in a big draft. I just was excited for an opportunity. So that same feeling of, hey, okay, they got me to the door. And I've always been told in my life, like my peers, my parents, my coaches, the best position you can be in is to be able to bet on yourself. Like I couldn't be able to be mad at anybody else if I didn't go to the opportunity and perform to my best extent. So, you know, going into it, I definitely felt as prepared as I could be because I, when I decided to say I was going to play football, I knew I had to be two feet in on the decision. So as much as like it hurt to just say, you know what, hey, I'm done with basketball so abruptly, 
I had to do it. And I stopped and I started to train multiple times a day, more five or so days out the week, you know, maybe take one day off. So when I went out there for the rookie mini camp, when I got there, I was just like, hey, you know, if I'm going to give my best and whatever happens, happens at this point, as long as I know I did everything in my power to try to prove myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in high school, when you played, you were a defensive end. Now you're playing tight end. So there weren't, I, I guess, in a way that the skills in a, can translate, but it's also different. You have to learn how to run routes. Now you have to learn how to block instead of blowing up someone. So how has that been just being able to now having to learn basically the whole football thing new? Um, it's definitely, it definitely was a challenge early on. Obviously it's early. It gets better. The, the more I've been down here, the more I get into it and learn, but I love challenges. So I'm actually liking the process that like, it's difficult. Like if it was easy, everybody would do it. But the first couple of days I got down there, actually about the first week or so, I was like, yo, what the hell did I get myself into? I didn't know it was this much into the run game or like I had a new appreciation for just you know, offensive linemen and football in itself, the way that you break stuff down in the game within the game of football, which I never fully got an understanding of. I understood it in basketball because I played it for so long and then I played it at the college level and I got to learn that. But skipping that level of not playing since high school and then, hey, now you're at the top of the top, it was definitely a huge learning curve that, you know, I'm still growing. I'm still learning every day. It's so much to learn and dissect. It is a huge, you know, I guess, shock to you, learning everything right away. OTA's minicamp, you're, you're learning everything. They're not living in, limiting you to one thing. But do you think you'll be used more for blocking, for receiving, all of it, you know? Um, you know, personally, I'm, I've been doing both. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, there's um, – we have tight ends who are more receiving more than they are blockers. But – with the frame I have, I think it'll, I'll be able to be fortunate enough to still be quick enough to. Like I work on routes a lot with receivers just so I can keep my feet and keep everything. Cause I'm like, if I run routes like receivers do, but I'm able to get in here and put my, stick my nose in there, you know, the ceiling is, is endless. So personally, I intend to be a guy who can, who can do both and potentially grow into a three down guy if my career foresees for that. But yeah, doing arts throughout OTAs and you know the mini camps and things, they haven't been limiting me. I've been doing both, moving me around just to see what I'm capable of and then, you know, learning one thing at a time. So then that way it's easier and my mind isn't frazzled. So a big thing is, you know, running the route, running it crisp, running it perfect. Has that been harder for you? Has it been easy? How how's it learned? How has it been trying to master the art of running a route? Again, it's been a challenge. You know, some routes are obviously easier because I can uh, translate some of the footwork that I've used before in my head. And actually, like, you know, some of the releases and things are like, I might use a basketball move in my head just to get my body movement used to it, you know, and it kind of works to my advantage sometimes. There's other times where I can't do that and I get outside of my body and things. So I've taken, I put a lot of attention to detail into it, just understanding, you know, whether now I'm walking throughout the house and 
I'm stemming towards the couch and then planting and trying to get vertical and then plant the other way, just because I'm in a position where I have to try to steal reps because I miss so many. Mm -hmm. So just trying to get my body used to the football movement. So it's been a challenge, but I accepted it. And, you know, just hoping to learn and continue to keep growing so I can show more and more. And so with rookie minicamp and OTAs, you obviously met a lot of players, everyone in your position group and then minicamp, you know, all the rookies. Um, was that like a good experience for you just being able to meet all the guys? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm huge on, you know, networking and relationships. So for me, I understand that just people who come into the NFL and are done in a day, a year, maybe 10 years, but the relationships and the things you do throughout it or while you're there are, are endless and you never know what it can become. So yeah, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Are there, I guess, with your position group, I know you mentioned Chris Manhurts because he made the same tra- same transition transition as you. But other players that are kind of taking you under their wing or saying, hey, do this better or do that better? Um, yeah, obviously our position group, um, we're all kind of close knit, you know. We got Dan Arnold, Evan Ingram's in there, you know, the rookies, uh Prince and Gunther. They're like we're we're close as we can be. We go over everything itself. Luke Farrell is is real good with that too. Outside of them, I'm real close with um Marvin Hall, who's a receiver. Mm-hmm. And you know, he actually he was at the the camp with us many camp throughout OTAs, but he just never had to, which I can appreciate, but He's been in the league for a little bit, you know, been around a bunch of teams, a couple of teams, and he he doesn't mind giving me insight on, hey, here's how to run this route or here's how to do this. All right, here's how we work your feet. Let's get some extra conditioning. Here's what I see. Let's watch this film together. Here's how I learn playbooks at three, four different places. And I appreciate that a lot. So you mentioned the playbook situation. How has that been? <laughs> it's... It's gotten a lot better. You know, I'm a person who, like, if you give me the foundation, like, I I can pick up on things quick. Mm-hmm. When I first got there, we came at rookie minicamp, but the vets were already on maybe install six or seven. So we went from the couple little half of installs they gave us for the weekend, get signed on Sunday, wake up Monday at 7 a.m. Now you're in practice with everybody. And it was just like a whirlwind. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going on? But it's obviously gotten a lot better because during this time off, I've got to go back and really look at the basis of everything. Hey, here's all the formations. Here's our concepts. Here's the cadences. Here's what this means. And once I understand that, for me, it's easier now to know, okay, I got down the formations and the concepts, whatever they call together, like I know what to do. And, you know, I kind of test myself on it. It's been a tip, a tip I got from Chris Manhurts, which was good too, was, you know, get this recorder app and a reporter app, I meant to say, and speak into it and go out and call out all the plays in a row. Call it like a script. Just take 15, 20 minutes, call it out to play it on a speaker throughout the house. When I hear it, walk around the house and get set up in the spot that I need to be in. So that way it becomes muscle memory which was something I took away from him. It was like, hey, here's a guy who's been in the league for some time, man. You know, obviously it works. Something I do personally is I get a whiteboard and a dry erase marker and I'll have one of my friends, you know, hey, call out this play. I will draw, write the play at the top, 
draw it or attempt to draw it and have them compare what I drew to the actual play in the playbook. And that way I can see it for myself. So when you're when you're doing all that and, and looking at the playbook, are you this might be a, a bad question, but are you more con- are you concerned with just what you're supposed to be doing or what the entire offensive unit is doing and where they're setting up to? Yeah, no, that's not a bad question at all, because there's guys that, you know, that I've asked. I have a couple of friends who actually been in the league for a little bit and they say there's guys who, hey, just tell me what I'm doing on this player as long as I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the way they study me. I try to study the entire offense because you have to be versatile to be able to stay in this league. You never know what happens. Hey, you might be a blocking tight end, but what happens if these guys get hurt? God forbid. Now you're an F instead of a Y or the concept doesn't change, but the formation changes. So now you're the single receiver on this one. So you have to know what the single receiver has on that concept. You can't just know like, Hey, when they call this, I'm over here in a two by two set. I have this route. You don't have that route anymore. And for me, I want to learn again, the game within the game, because I think that's what makes people successful. Like when I was playing basketball, me having a knowledge of the game, I understood how to win for certain defenders or how to win in certain situations. Like this, how I win this rep or this is how I'll beat him on this play. And I think that's what makes the great successful at things that they do. Like, Hey, yeah, there's one thing to say, okay, I have this route, I have this play, but I'm going to run it in my own way. And I'm still going to be where I need to be when the ball is strong. And this, they can't predict that you can't put that on film. You can't, take up for somebody's mind for sure and um otas are kind of like a walkthrough they're not necessarily you know full speed because you can't wear pads it's not all, uh, just moving really fast but in a way has otas kind of been i guess a blessing for you being able to see like how it's all done without it being jumping right in you know instead of two feet in four feet in full mm-hmm. speed everything not yet otas were definitely beneficial for me, the, I would say the most just because I got a true feel for, you know, I won't say a complete true feel, but a true feel for it. this is the way that practices are ran. This is the way they're represented. This is how a day should be. But getting to do it at a slower pace, maybe we're going at 75 because, yeah, we know we can't tackle, but we still. And that's one thing I did learn, too, is learning how to practice. Like, you're used to going hard all the time. You know, in college, it may be about, oh, I'm about to beat this guy out. I'm going to have this position to do this. You know, we have to do this. These guys have long careers because they understand how to go and when to go. Like, Sunday, I have to be able to perform to my furthest extent. Throughout the week, that doesn't mean I don't go hard, but it looks like they're going 100 and they're not going 100. And that was something that I didn't understand, you know, the first couple of weeks in there, like, yo, you know, I'm used to going hard every single time. Boom, exert yourself, exert yourself. Be like, hey, there's a way to do it. So you maintain your body and you do everything else. But on the football aspect, definitely they have been beneficial just because like I can slowly watch and take mental reps of everything that's going on versus everything being, which will happen when I get back down there. Yeah, I was going to mention that training camps, you know, fast approaching. It's what it's a couple of weeks away from now. Mm-hmm. Um, full speed, everything's going to be happening in preseason after that. But do you think you're 
prepared for just the idea of what it's about to be like? I think for me personally, yeah, I always think that, you know, I take it day by day. There's always something new that I can learn, especially, and just something that I'll learn going through. I'm excited to go through my first ever training camp, like first NFL training camp, you know, just to experience it, see what it's like and do things. But we also understanding just how real large is. Like we play in the um, Hall of Fame game. So we're going, like we get training camp starts July 24th, August 4th is, is game day. <laughs> so you gotta be that much even more uh, ready or prepared for what's coming. A person I want to talk about is your tight end coach, um, Coach Ngolo. Has he helped you, like, throughout it and coaching yeah. you up for it? Yeah, he's definitely – he's great for me because he's a person who pays attention to detail. He makes us focus on the details and every little thing that matters, you know. They tell – they say football is a game of inches and, like, everything, every single thing you do matters. So, like, he – I like that he demands more of me. He doesn't just let me get by because like, hey, it's supposed to look this way. I know you're raw. It's just like, he he has his days where he's like, no, do it this way. Like you're capable of it. Let your athleticism go. Do this, don't be unsure, just go hard. And, and still on the other side of it, I know that he cares about trying to develop me and help me. He could have just been like, hey, there's a basketball guy come going through the motions. like. Yeah, forget it. It'll be in, it'll be out, whatever else it is. But he's invested in to my development and who I'll be as a player. And he also helps with just giving me tips on how to learn the playbook. Mm, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want out of a coach, especially at your position, not overlooking everyone. So I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot just because it's Clemson and you know it's you play basketball there and obviously the quarterback and the running back play yeah, football yeah. there. But has that, have you made that connection? I mean, I, I know you're not in the same position group, so it's not like you're spending every second with them as you can, but was that ever, ever even brought up? I definitely, once um, T-Law and, and Trav figured out I went to Clemson, they definitely approached me and, and we talked and, you know, joked about it briefly and everything else. But yeah, obviously like it, the more I'm around and the, the further this thing goes, the closer we'll get. And we'll talk about it more, but there's definitely, you know, that Clemson stamp goes mm-hmm. beyond, like, you know, we're connected through Clemson. It's just a, a network of so many people. So, yeah, we definitely talk about it and brought it up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, all, all four of us, you know. <laughs> I need to be brought up into those conversations. Uh-huh. That's neat. That's cool, though. That's cool. Maybe um, I can get T-Law to come on game ball. Yeah, see, you know, <laughs> networking, right? Isn't that the – uh, the shot. Word of the day, yeah. Come on, I, I would, I would love that. I would love that, Nas. Bring it up, Clemson now too. Basketball. We 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 did this episode or when we last did an interview together. It was before the season wrapped up. A lot of things happened towards the end, and I know it's a bad. Ma- we'll talk about the good first. Just the ACC tournament in general, in general. Uh-huh. So, you come to Clemson. I'm assuming at least come to Clemson ACC basketball because you want that ACC basketball feel. You want that. For that sure. competitive nature right there. And I know March Madness was the goal, but we have the ACC tournament, which is same thing. You know, it's <laughs> it's madness and it's go win or go home. So just being in those games, being a part of it, was that just an exciting 
my like thing to be a part of is everything you kind of dreamt of in a way no for sure it's definitely the experience again i'm like as much as i'm huge on networking and relationships i'm huge on experience so like one thing everybody obviously brings up with the nfl thing is money for me and i'm like hey i can care less about the money i want to be 81 day sitting in a rocking chair and be like you know I, I remember doing this the acc tournament is definitely one of the things that i'm glad that i and glad and grateful that I got to experience. No matter what anybody says, you know, ACC year in or year out is arguably the best basketball conference in college. So they told us we had a down year and then you see what the ACC team in the tournament. So it shows what our league really was. This year, and you know, for again, I was, I had more of an urgency. It's my senior year, it's the last year, you know, whatever happens, but I understood what a conference tournament was because I came from a one bid league. We went into the ACC tournament with the mindset, of, hey, we're going to go win four games in a row. Like, we're going to go win the whole thing. <laughs> That's what, like, we had it worked out perfectly. Hunter's coming back. PJ's coming back. We're going to Brooklyn. We're winning it. And, you know, we talked about it every day. Like, it'll be a story to tell if something is going to happen. Bittersweet, the last shot, whatever else it is. But, <laughs> like, that entire game, you know, you win versus NC State, we come the next day, like, we come to play. They're up at halftime. We just played them a couple weeks ago. But in that game, like, whoever wins this game, like, we're going to go. Like, we're going to go on. Like, it was a game that I'm like, I imagine being a fan. We're down. We rally back. We're back and forth over time. This, that, and the third, I'm like, yo, this is like, the feel is ridiculous. I'm on the bench feeling like, you know, a kid in the candy store again. I'm in the game. I'm feeling it like, yo, it's not over. Like, we're going to win it. And genuinely believed it all the way until it just was over. And then couldn't believe he hit a shot. Mm -hmm. That was, it was, <laughs> that was, I, you know, as a, I guess as a supporter. Yeah, that was crazy. It was, it was funny. I was. I was, I was, I have like, I take business calc last semester. Mm -hmm. And those tests were, we had test slots from seven to nine 30 at night. It was awful. Cause it's, you know, late at night. Yeah. And the day I had a test Clemson, you know, Virginia tech was playing and our teacher kept telling us, Oh, the score, whatever. And I think at one point Clemson was down by like double digits and he's mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's over. And I'm like, come on, you can't be saying that you're, you're a professor here. And then I finally got out of the classroom and I was like, all right, I got to check my phone there's like five seconds left in the game, like a regular time. I don't remember what, I think I, it ended up going to overtime. I think like Virginia Tech missed a shot or something along those lines. And I was like, okay. So I was driving, listening to it on the radio, got home and there was like 30 seconds left in OT, ran into my apartment, threw it on. And then I, you know, obviously saw what happened and it was, it was <laughs> crazy. But like, that was, you know, that was a, that was a big game. That was an exciting oh, yeah. game just, just to be a part of. And, Again, that's like the obviously you wish it went, you know, Clemson's way. That's that's yeah. what everyone you, you miss that. Maybe you wish they missed that shot. But was that like I know it was heartbreaking, but is that what kind of what you're, I guess, in a way looking forward to? You know, be like you said, have that. Yeah, that, that was definitely like something that I chased and something that was provided by me coming to Clemson. There's no substitute for what you know just power five sports are and then especially at a place like clemson where 
everybody is involved and everybody's invested and it's a family feel, you know, just even as simple things like the fact that we got a park around the corner at a hotel at a golf course on game days for football and then get picked up on golf courts by managers because it's that many people outside tailgating that we can't even park at our gym. Like those are things that I can go back and tell my family and my friends, like your college was ridiculous. Like I remember I went to Clemson and Hey, we got on jets and we went to go play at Duke and coach K's last year and had them beat all the way to the last second. And, you know, just like, even the wins, everything else, like just forget everything else, but just the complete experience of being able to play ACC basketball was definitely fun for me. And it's something that like, I won't forget from the media day all the way until, you know, that last shot in Brooklyn, but I definitely appreciate what ACC basketball had to offer. Yeah, definitely. That media day was pretty cool. You got some good pictures there. Um, but uh, going back to something you mentioned with the ACC tournament, when Hunter came back, PJ back, you guys were, you said you were bought in. And I know you're always bought in, and I'm not like discrediting the team. Uh, yeah, yeah. They weren't bought in before. But was that like being able to kind of rally together with that moment? Was that like the, see, I don't, I don't want to say it wasn't like the, tightest you've ever been before but was that like really the moment everyone was like you know what like we can do this you weren't down on yourself so you were saying like yeah, yeah. so like you can do it i don't mind being completely blunt with you like it's <laughs> we can be honestly about the whole thing so yeah throughout our season it was a kind of like a i don't want to say a give or take with our team but you know some guys feel more appreciated than others. Other guys, you know, growing pains. Obviously, it's everybody coming into a year and feeling like they have their own self-expectations for what they should be or who they could be to the team. And then roles are given up. It happens with every team. And you have to decide whether you're going to accept it and do what's better for the team or you're gonna, how long are you going to fight it. And for us – we had a hot and cold season because we went back and forth on how many guys are on this side of the fence, how many guys are on that side of the fence, you know, back and forth. And us versus, not us versus us, us versus fighting the system versus whatever else it is. I can be completely honest and say, you know, I came to Clemson with a different agenda for the way that my year would go. But when Coach Brownell told me, hey, here's what I need from you, I bought in just because that's what's supposed to happen for what our team does. By time we got to that ACC tournament, we figured it out. Like, hey, we all have one common goal. Here's how we get to it. So what if PJ scores 20 or he scores two? So what if Hunter scores 20 or he scores two? Same with Nick, Al, me, Dave, Chase, whoever else. At that point, we were all just bought into the simple fact of let's win it all and let's, you know, let's write history. Let's make something happen. So we definitely were on a hot streak. And for me, it I was just like, damn, you know, like, had we figured it out earlier, we showed the glimpses throughout the whole season of what we could have been. And now we're not in the position to where is we have to win the tournament to go to the NCAA tournament, we would have already been penciled in and this would have just been icing on the cake if we won, you know? So yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, what it, when it started was more so when Hunter went out, we had to rally. 
But when PJ went down at Louisville and we had to play, and then, you know, he started that game, but the next game we were playing Wake Forest and they had, you know, the hype behind them and, you know, obviously Jake LaRavia and Alondis Williams, but winning that game at home gave everybody the energy of like, hey, no, we're actually like, like we can do this. And when they come back, like we'll be even that much more better. So, yeah, that's, that's obviously a lot, a lot of take in right there. <laughs> but reflecting on it now, I know the season, I know you guys were reflecting on it then saying we could have been in better position if we were all fully bought in, knowing the roles. Um, but just looking back on it now, like, do you guys wish that you did it all a different way? Or, were you, you know, you just say, you know what, it happened the way it did um, like that. Yeah, I would say, I would say yes. And then I would say again, you know, no, like the same thing I said earlier to you about, you know, just me playing football in college. You know, I believe things happen for a reason. One thing I always talked about at, or we always talked about when I went to Youngstown State was, you know, the, the heartbeat of a team. Each year, you know, the lifespan of a team is, is those nine or 10 months that we're together. Mm-hmm. seniors graduate, new freshmen come in next year. So then there's a whole new team and there's a whole new aspect. One thing that has to always remain is the culture, which would be Clemson grit, you know, passion and perseverance towards a long-term, towards a long-term goal, which is something that Coach Brownell prides itself on. And that has to be something that everybody puts at the forefront above everything else. And, you know, you build it with that. But I won't say like, you know, uh, like, you know, because it happened. So it did happen, but and I don't think it was guys just, you know, on a selfish kick or whatever else it was. It was just what needed to happen kind of happened in the way that it did. And we never talk about this or have that conversation. If, you know, maybe Virginia Tech misses the shot. We go on, we win it in the way, in the fashion that they did. Now, you know, Everybody's a genius and everybody, you only talk about these type of things when you lose is my point. Like I like team, every team in America goes through what we went through. Like, it's just, it's normal. Like you have kids 18 to 23 that are trying to figure out their way and trying to figure out their own personal agendas as well as what the agenda is for the team. So with that on every basketball team at every school, you're going to have the turmoil that we had or the back and forth for the unsaid this and the unsaid that somebody's going to feel the type of way, but winning cures all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you bring that up, you know, it is a bunch of just, you know, like you said, 18 to 23 year olds that are the end of the day, they're, they're all, we're all just young people like trying yeah. to figure it all out. But is that something that people don't, I guess, take into account and realize like, yeah, that's an 18 year old or that's a 20 year old trying to, <laughs> no, yeah. I say it all the time, you know, especially like at Clemson, they have the, you know, you get on Twitter, the fans, they want to get rid of Brian or whatever else it is. But I'm like, I would hate to be in a position where I make my livelihood off of 18 to 23 year old men or individuals, just because here's a group of, let's call it boys, who are trying to figure out how to become men who are trying to figure out for the first time how to live on their own away from home, how to manage money, uh, balance school, how to be an athlete, 
<laughs> how to be a student, you know, all while everything is fast paced, they're asking so much of you and the responsibilities that you have, you never ever get to sit back and be like, damn, I am only 18. And some typical 18 year olds may still be in their senior year of high school living carefree, or they may just be in school and they have to make their own schedule and they have their own, you know, like life and society puts so many other pressures onto you. So you have to deal with all of that while still trying to deal with not only yourself, but the nucleus of what a team is. So there's sometimes when you're a captain that I can be going through it. I can be like, bro, I'm, something at home isn't right. You know, damn, I'm broke this week. I might've failed that test, but I have to bite all of those bullets to make sure the other 14 guys around me are fine. Because if I'm an energy vampire, then they won't be them be their best selves. So then I say that as a captain and then I'm always like, well, think about a coach. He not only has to deal with what he deals with in his household, what he deals with from the media, what he deals with from the school. He has to try to make every single player on that team feel like they're the best versions of themselves. And then after that, make every coach feel value and then every manager and then every GA. And then, like, sometimes it's unrealistic. And nobody ever talks about that part of the sport or anything else about that. It's just, it's easy for somebody on the outside to be like, you know what? I could do that. <laughs> I could do it. And it's that. I'm just like, yeah, until you try it. So when you, when you offer that perspective and, and say that type of thing, you know, you're, you're, I guess, from the player to the coach perspective, mm -hmm. you're one of the people that he has to take care of and make sure to feel the best version of themselves. But in a sense, like, did you, like, could you, I guess from an outside perspective, you can already tell how hard that situation is for him, mm -hmm. but like, could you imagine being in the same situation as whether it's coach Brunel or just another head coach somewhere else having to deal with this, all the noise and trying to rally together the team? Like, is that just a harder thing? Easier said than done in a way. Um, yeah, it's definitely easier said than done. But one thing that I think helps, and it helps on the team that are the most successful, and my coach at Youngstown always used to say it, and Brownell hit on it too a little bit, is that if the coach has to coach, you know, things like outside of, has to coach effort or has to, like, hold everybody accountable, your team will never be that good. So, like, I didn't understand when he kept saying, like my coach at Youngstown used to always say, like, hey, like I'm gonna give you the keys to the car. You have to drive it. Like, obviously I'm gonna be in the seat. Everybody, I'm gonna be taking the blame when we win, I win, we lose, we lose. But it has to be a player driven thing. Like the teams with the best leaders and like when players hold each other accountable and there's a humility between one another and we can say things and give constructive criticism or like you take that much more pressure off the coach and he can focus on just coaching basketball and he doesn't have to coach effort. He doesn't have to worry about attitude. He doesn't have to worry about everything else. So if I was a head coach, I would try to search for, you know, a captain or a leader who provides that locker room together and does that part of it because, you know, I can't, it's, it's better to come from a peer. 
me and you can have a better conversation than an authority figure mm-hmm. because we can confide in one another at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Yeah. Whereas at the, me talking to coach sometimes, there's some people who, who shy up and don't want to say what they actually mean or they see coach for when he's irate and when he's getting at him, when he's really trying to get to him, but they don't really see the person in him because he can't come and hang out with us and come do X, Y, Z. So they may not be that comfortable, but that's why I think if I was a, co- a head coach, I would try to one, get guys with my ability to try to make it a little bit easier because like you can, you do better with people you relate to. And then two, find a guy who understands being the guy, like, does it mean you're the best player on the team? It doesn't mean you play all the time, but you accept who you are and you get the best out of everybody else and you run the show. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I pre- great insight. Appreciate the insight, Coach Coach Bohannon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to end it on a good note right here, I was able to find this, I guess, this morning, believe it or not. But from one buzzer beater to another, you're at Lorraine and you were playing uh, Bedford. Uh-huh. You had the buzzer beater, the game winner, 63-62. The mask game, the mask game, I, you know, you got to call it that. I don't even know why you're wearing a mask. But talk to me about that game. Got you. So um, let's start with the mask. We were playing um, my sophomore year. And that team, that year was like a surreal year. Again, one of those experiences I'll never, ever forget. Like, we ended up being 25-1. and one, We were undefeated. First time in the city for a long time. But, like, it was, like, uh, almost movie-like. Like, every game was sold out. The last game we lost, we sold out Akron as a high school team playing versus uh, St. Ed's. You know, lines were wrapped around the building for tickets, like fans. People were picking us up, like paying for our tabs at restaurants. Like, you know, just the whole nine. Things I can say because I'm not in college no more. (laughs) It's no more amateurism. But, like, so uh, the game before that game, um, my teammate, who's actually my teammate now in the field, which is also something that you know is crazy, like who's that? Um, Rashad Barrett. Okay. He went to Ohio State and played football. Mm-hmm. He went up for a rebound, and I kind of like jumped with him. But when he came down, his elbow hit the bridge of my nose. So my nose ended up being broken, but I didn't know. You know, like obviously it's bleeding, it's everything else. They just popped a little gauze, and I finished playing that game. But I went to the emergency room that night. Whatever they looked at, it said it was broke. But I'm like, hey, I'm playing. So they give me the mask for next week's game. The day, that was a day, I think I turned 16 the night before. Bedford was, at that point, it wasn't really a rivalry yet, but it was a game where we always played, like they played us tight. And we had just played them in the summer at Kent State, and we won by one or two. So it was a lot of anticipation for that game. Gym sold out. It was one of those. I missed playing in that gym. They knocked that school down, actually. But, you know, it was a, a older gym, so the stands were pretty much on the court, hot, everything. Fans can touch you, you know, dim lights, everything. Mm-hmm. But the game was back and forth the whole time. They went on, like, a 18-2 um, run in between, like, the third and fourth quarters. So we were down about seven with, like – a minute and 30 left and 
obviously it was real like raunchy and like we almost got into it. It was almost a little altercation in between, which there's a video of that too. Um, we storm back, we come back, we call a play where I actually was supposed to, um, I wasn't even supposed to get the ball. I was supposed to set a screen, get the ball. The inbounder was gonna come off and fake like he was screening to the other block and then post up right in the middle of the lane. I was gonna pass to him. Fortunate enough, you know, when I flashed back, I ended up being open and I kind of just made like a reactionary spin move and shot a left hand hook off the glass. Tried to move the next couple of days in a row, couldn't make it for shit. So it's just like an in the moment feel, but like, it was like a, you know, all emotion came out. Mm -hmm. Threw the mask in the air. They rushed the court like we were in college. <laughs> you know, so it was it was a great feeling. Yeah, no, it was it looked it looks crazy. I saw the whole the whole rush on the court. <laughs> Got to protect that nose though. Like, oh, no, yeah, definitely. come on, that's the worst part. The celebrations where you're gonna get hurt. <laughs> but man, that's crazy. No, it was that's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's a especially you said your sophomore year. I mean, you must have yeah, been yeah, sky, yeah. sky high. Oh no, yeah, sophomore. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, now, as, as always, man, I appreciate you coming on. Like, I had a good time talking with you. And, you know, we wish you the best of luck at uh, with Jacksonville and with Channing Camp approaching. All right. Thank you.